Turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 14 through 17 this morning. If you weren't able to make it last week, uh, last Sunday afternoon, we uh, had a baptism service at um, Worthington Christian Church. That's where we do our baptisms uh, because they have a baptismal there, and we don't. And so um, had 10 people baptized uh, last Sunday afternoon, which is awesome. Uh, you can celebrate that even and, and uh, praise the Lord over that. Um, or not. That's fine. In your hearts. I know you did in your hearts, so that's fine. Um, uh, but, you know, the cool thing is um, following that up, if you weren't able to be a part of that, just a wonderful display of what God is doing in people's lives. But we get to talk about that this morning. The passage uh, this morning is, is primarily about baptism. That's what we're going to be talking about is, is baptism. So we get to talk about what does it mean, um, what a wonderful blessing to see it happen last week. And now we get to talk about what is it, what does it mean, why do we do baptisms as a part of church It's kind of a... A weird thing. Like, why do we ask people to get in water and immerse themselves or be immersed in water? What in the world is behind that? Why does the church do things like that? And there's a reason. There's a biblical reason for it. And so that's what we get to talk about this morning. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. I know you love when I do this. Um, and so do I. So let's just stand together. Follow along as I read. I know you're just now getting comfortable. That's best. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for entrusting it to us. Thank you for giving us instruction of how to live for your glory, how to walk in obedience to you, Jesus, who gave your whole life for us, you laid down everything, your life on the cross for us. And you have given us your word, Lord, so that we might know how to respond. We might know the truth about that. And so we praise you and thank you and ask that you would help us. I pray that you would be glorified and worshiped in this time as I preach and as people listen, Lord, that you would be glorified through our response to your word. Open our eyes that we could behold wonderful things from your law. In Christ's name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So I'm hoping to cover this morning three things. Uh, what is baptism? Did Paul think that baptism was unimportant? And third, why didn't Paul baptize his converts? Verse 14 starts off with, I thank God that I baptize none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Now, Crispus, if you were here, and, and if, if you're new here this morning, if this is your first time, or you've only been coming the past few weeks, we're working our way through this book of 1 Corinthians verse by verse, okay? And so that's why we're jumping into the midst of chapter 1, starting with verse 14. We've worked through the first 13 verses. We're going to work through the rest of the entire book, verse by verse, however long that ends up taking. We'll be preaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. So that's, that's 
why we are where we are. As we pick that up, it's interesting in verse 14 that he would say, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Christmas. We talked about uh, as we entered this series from Acts chapter 18. Acts 18 tells us the story of how the church in Corinth was founded. Paul goes to Corinth. He preaches the gospel. Many people believe the gospel are saved. And the church begins in Corinth. And that's the story that we get in Acts 18. And as we went through that, you remember that as Paul went to Corinth, he began to teach, preach in the synagogue. As he was preaching in the synagogue, he was rejected. And so remember, he leaves the synagogue, shakes out the dust from his clothing, and goes next door to Titius Justice's home and begins to preach the gospel there. And in the process of that, at some point as that's happening, Crispus, who is the ruler of the synagogue believes the message of the gospel and transfers from the synagogue to the home of Titius Justice where he's being taught the gospel. He believes in the gospel and is saved through the gospel. So that's who Crispus is and probably was baptized at the uh, beginning of the church uh, in Corinth there. Gaius, who's, who's listed here, uh, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. If you turn back just like a page in your Bible... When Paul was uh, in Corinth, spending the winter in Corinth, that's where he wrote the book of Romans. So if you turn back one page into Romans, you'll see in uh, chapter 16, verse 23, it says, Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Probably that means then that he was host to Paul. Gaius is probably the guy that Paul stayed with when he spent the winter in Corinth and probably also was baptized by Paul at the beginning of the church being founded in Corinth. So there's the two guys he mentions there. We'll get to Stephanus in just a few minutes. So he says there at the beginning, I thank God, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? If we just left it on its own or we took it out of context, there's two statements in here that are pretty interesting that Paul would say, I thank God that I didn't baptize you. I thank God that I didn't uh, play a part in, in immersing you in water. And, and, and certainly that is, is, is a, a desire of many pastors. I want to see people baptized. I want to see people coming to know Christ. I want to see people uh, professing him and proclaiming the faith that they have in him through baptism. So it's interesting that Paul would say, if we just take this out on his own, that I'm thankful that I didn't baptize any of you. A context is incredibly important here, right? And so we know from the context of last week that there's division in the church. People are saying, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. And I follow Jesus. And so there's divisions. And people had this uh, temptation of just following after people rather than genuinely following after Christ. We'll talk about Paul's reasons in saying, I'm thankful that I didn't baptize any of you. But Getting to that, I want to talk about what is baptism. If Paul makes a statement like this, I thank God that I baptized none of you, then what is baptism? Why do we do it? That word baptize means to immerse. It literally means to immerse. That's why we baptize the way we do. When we, when we take someone and we immerse them in water, it's because the word means to immerse. And so we, as best as we can, we obey scripture that way and baptizing by immersion. And there's three things that I think we need to understand about baptism. 
Three things that we need to understand about baptism. The first, of the first is this. Baptism is an act of obedience. Why do we baptize in the church? Because it's an act of obedience. Turn to Matthew chapter 28, the, the last chapter in Matthew. Jesus has been resurrected. He goes to Galilee, to the mountain. The disciples meet him there. And as he's getting ready to depart from them, from this earth, he says in verses 18 to the end of the book, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go therefore and make disciples. Tell them, make followers of me. Make followers of Jesus Christ. That's one of the parts of his command for us. He follows that up and says, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's saying that to those he's sending out. But certainly we have to take that and say that's a command. And so if he wants them to be baptizing, then he wants those who are being, follow, being followers, becoming followers of him, to be baptized. And so we're commanded to be baptized. Christ called us to be baptized. So the first reason that we do that in the church is because it's an act of obedience. Now this is why... Um, it's one of the reasons why it's difficult for me when, when I'm in discussions with someone who, who says, I believe in Jesus, but I don't want to get baptized. And, and the question usually is something like this. Well, do I have to be baptized to be saved? I'm saved. And if I don't have to be baptized, if, if baptism doesn't save you, I don't have to be baptized to be saved, then I don't, I don't want to be baptized. I don't want to get up in front of people. I don't want to get wet. I don't want to, whatever it is, I don't want to do it. Or I'm not ready for that yet. I struggle through that because think this through, okay? Think this conversation through. I believe in Jesus. Now, the simplicity of the gospel is just beautiful, right? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, now, the simpleness of that is just amazing, that Christ would do everything. He would come, live a perfect life, be sacrificed for our sins, be punished for our sins. Doesn't stay dead, rises again on the third day to overcome not just sin through his death, but life and death through his resurrection. And then he tells us, this is what, this is what you have to do. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. The simpleness, the simplicity of the gospel is just amazing in light of all that Christ took upon himself. But we have to think this through. Yes, we're saved by faith or by grace through faith. But what we're saying if we're confessing that Jesus is Lord is, Lord, Jesus, you are everything. You, you died for me, Jesus. 
You were punished for my sins, Jesus. You took everything upon yourself, Jesus. Whatever you say, your Lord, whatever you say, I'll do it. And then Jesus says, I want you to be baptized. And our response is, well, I don't have to be baptized to be saved, do I? I mean, think about that. We're, we're professing, we're saying, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do it. I want to be like Paul. I'll lay down my life for you. I'll die for you. Send me to the, the darkest place. Send me to the most dark, Satan-filled, horrible terrifying place i'll do it lord i want to be like paul i read philippians and i just want to cry out for me to live as christ and to die as gain well first i want you to be baptized i don't have to do that do i it just doesn't make sense right jesus your lord whatever you say i'll do and the first reason that we ought to be baptized is simply because jesus said so if that was the only biblical reason it would be enough If we didn't have point two and three of why we do baptism, why we get baptized, it would be enough because Jesus said so. He said for me to be baptized. I'm going to be baptized. I just want to do what he tells me to do. So the first thing is it's an act of obedience. Number two, it's a display of grace. It's a display of grace. Turn to Romans chapter six. Verses 1 through 4. Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is beautiful because it gives us the gospel here. I mean, this is the gospel. Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. Jesus did that. He took the punishment of sin on himself. He, overcome the gra- he overcomes the grave. He overcomes sin and death. He was killed and he rose again. And Paul says, do you not understand? Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. And in in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Baptism is a display of the gospel. When, when you're baptized, when I'm baptized, as I go and I'm immersed in the water, it's, it's, it's a picture of Christ going into the grave. And it's me saying, Christ, I'm dying with you. Just as you laid down your life for me, I'm laying down my life for you. And as we come up out of the water, it's a picture of resurrection and and how we are given new life in Christ. And we're coming just as Christ came out of the grave. We're coming up out of the water and it's a display. It's a picture for those people who are watching saying, I'm dying to myself. Thanks be to God because of all that he did. It's not me. It's him. But thanks be to God because of what he did. I'm dying to myself. I'm not living for me anymore. 
Just as Christ died for my sins, I'm dying to myself, and I'm not living for me anymore. And as I come up, it's a picture of rising, walking, and newness of life, Paul says in verse 4. He says something similar in Colossians chapter 2. I can read it for you. You don't have to flip there. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. It's a picture, it's a display of the gospel. And so as we follow Christ and respond to Christ in obedience to him, being baptized, we're able to display him and all that he is, what he did and how we value and treasure him in baptism, saying we're dying to ourselves. We're not living for ourselves anymore. And because of Christ, we're rising to new life. Just a beautiful, beautiful opportunity to display him in that. Third, it's an appeal to God. It's an appeal to God. First Peter chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there. This can be a confusing passage. And so go ahead and turn to First Peter chapter 3. Let's start with verse 18 just to get into verse 21 is where we're going to focus. But verse 18 of First Peter 3. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. As we read through this, we have to be careful because we can read verse 21 and say, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Now, wait a second. I thought you said, Baptism doesn't save you. And Peter says here, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. We can't stop there. We have to read the rest of the verse. Peter knew that writing that, people are going to respond and say, okay, I have to be baptized to be saved. He keeps writing. That's why he finishes the sentence. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. So he's giving us the picture. It's not baptism that's literally cleansing me and saving me it's a response to what god has already done and here's the picture this is probably my favorite baptism passage in the bible because i think it's such a wonderful picture of what it ought to be because i think we lessen the meaning of baptism too much and sometimes we give too much meaning to baptism some some people will take baptism and say if you're not baptized you're not saved well that's that's not biblical uh, salvation is absolutely through trust and faith and belief in what Christ did, not anything that I do. And so we can put too much emphasis on baptism, but we can put way too little emphasis on baptism. And I love the picture that Peter gives for for us here. He, He goes back to the picture of the ark. And the picture he gives us, think of the ark, think of as this rain is 
finally coming. And, and for a hundred years, Noah's been building this ark and he's been mocked and, and persecuted and, and maybe even his kids looked at him like, what are you doing? What is rain? And this storm is finally coming and the earth is going to flood and eight people, it says, get, get onto the ark. And the floods come and the ark is lifted up and carried along and, and finally it rests, right? What saved those eight people? What saved those eight people? God saved those eight people. God saved those eight people. The ark didn't save them. God saved them. And so he says to, to us, as we're looking at the picture of, of baptism, he says, in the same way, just as those eight people believed God. See, God said, I'm going to save you. And they believed God and they got on the boat. And just as they believed God and said, I trust you, I believe you, and, and so I'm going to obey you, I'm going to do what you said to do. Baptism, which corresponds to that, not trusting in the ark, but trusting in the one who would sovereignly beforehand say, build an ark, because I'm going to flood the earth. But what's a flood? The same faith where they said, we believe you, God, that you have said you're going to save us. Responds in, I believe you, God, in what you have done through Christ. And I want to be baptized as an appeal to you, as a cry to you, as a prayer to you. God, I believe, I believe, I believe not in this water as if it's going to save me, not in what anything this could do, not in the pastor who's putting me under, not in anyone else who's doing this to me. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in what you accomplished. I believe that you said if I come to you and believe and confess my sins and turn from my sins and trust in what you've already done, I believe that I will be saved. And so I'm following you and doing what you told me to do through baptism to display you and the hope that I have in you. It's an appeal. It's a prayer to God. So what did Paul, what did Paul think or did Paul think that baptism was unimportant? And Paul begins back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, saying, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Is Paul saying that he thinks that baptism is unimportant? Let me make a note really quick. In verse 16, he says, I did, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptize anyone. Stephanus, remember, is probably the one that's helping him writing this. So probably could be that he reminded him, hey, hey, you baptized me and my family too. And so he adds that in there. We, I don't know. I mean, that could be the, right, as you get to the, uh, we don't know. We weren't there. But it's somehow Stephanus, as he's writing, maybe just reminds him. That's a beautiful picture, by the way. Just a quick side note of how God used people to write his authoritative, absolutely true, unfailing word. You come to a passage like this, you don't say, oh, Paul wasn't sure. So God's word must not be true. No, he used people. When, when, when the Holy Spirit came on them to write through them, inspiring them to write, he, he breathed through them, Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16. And as he inspired them to do that, they didn't, they didn't become robots. 
He used them and their personalities and who they were to write, and what was written was absolute truth. So what did Paul believe about baptism? First, two of the verses that we mentioned earlier, Romans 6, 1 through 4, Colossians 2, 12, he, he believes those because he wrote them, right? He's the one that wrote those verses. He's the one that said baptism uh, is a picture, it's a display of us dying to Christ and rising to new life. You notice that in both of those, he assumes that the people he's writing to had been baptized. So he assumes that it's happened. He assumes that if he's writing to believers, then these are people who have been baptized. And so he addresses it as when you were baptized, was it not a picture, a display, identifying with the death of Christ, identifying with the resurrection of Christ? We also know from Acts 9.18, Paul, when he encountered Christ, he was blind. Remember, he's blind for three days. And it says that in, in, in uh, chapter 9, verse 18, that as things like scales fell from his eyes, he regained sight. And what did he do? He was baptized. He's preaching. Under his preaching, Lydia believes the gospel. Acts 16, verses 14 and 15, and she is baptized. He's imprisoned. As he's imprisoned, he's singing in prison, and the Philippian jailer believes, right? And the jailer is quickly taken out and baptized. By the way, as we went through the three reasons that we do baptism and this picture of the Philippian jailer, it's why I don't think, and that's another reason why we should do it right away. You believe? Be baptized. Trust the Lord in that and believe him in that. The Philippian jailer was baptized quickly after believing. And then we know from Acts 18 as we went through that. Verses 8, eight through 11. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. This is in Corinth. Many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And so he stayed there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. When believers trusted in Christ, when people trusted in Christ and begin to follow Christ, it says that they were baptized. So why didn't Paul then, third, why didn't Paul baptize those who believed in Christ under his ministry? He tells us in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 1, one of the main reasons, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that... No one may say that you were baptized in my name. So that no one could say that they were baptized by Paul. And what does he mean by that? What was happening? There's already divisions in the church and and people saying, well, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos. He didn't want that. We have to remember that Paul, as an apostle, carried tremendous authority in the early church. He had seen the risen Christ. He was commissioned by Christ to go and teach. To preach the gospel. 
And so there's risk in that, that he would be idolized by those who he baptized. I mean, some of you, you may even think, imagine, imagine being baptized by Paul. Imagine if we had been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Man, what would that mean? Well, hopefully it would mean you were followers of Jesus. That's what it should mean. And yet we have this tendency of elevating certain people, specific people. Paul didn't want that. And certainly there's the temptation of that for him as an apostle of Jesus Christ. You read through from from chapter 9 of the book of Acts through the end. You just read through the miraculous, amazing things that the Holy Spirit did through the life of Paul. There's great temptation that he's going to be idolized. In fact, people tried to worship him, remember? They thought that he was a god and tried to worship him. He goes on in verse 17, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize. Another interesting statement, right? For Christ did not send me to baptize. What about Matthew 28? Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them. What does he mean then? Paul is meaning that Christ did not send him to do the baptizing. He's not meaning not to have people baptized. We certainly know from what we look through, people were baptized when they trusted in Christ through the preaching of the gospel through Paul. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Christ sent me to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Baptism could be handed over to an assistant like Silas or Timothy or Luke. But not the preaching of the gospel, Paul says. That is what Jesus called him and commissioned him to do. Think about Christ in the same way Jesus in his ministry. Did did Jesus believe in baptism? Yes, he commanded it. But he preached the gospel. And his disciples did the baptizing. That's what it tells us in John 4, verses 1 and 2. Jesus didn't baptize anyone, but his disciples did the baptizing. Why? Because he was busy. He was busy. He was busy preaching the gospel. And the same with Paul. He says, Christ did not call me. He didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And he says, and not with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now, we're going to talk about this part of verse 17 a lot with next week's message, but it's important for this morning, too. The Corinthians would have been used to um, professional orators, speakers who would come to big cities and, 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 and speak with eloquence about great things. And people would fill stadiums to hear these speakers and how eloquent they were and how well they spoke about different subjects. And that's how they would make a living, going from city to city, just speaking on different things. So the Corinthians would have certainly known and been familiar with that. But that is not the method that Paul used. He knew that the power to change hearts, the power to change lives, the power to save people from their sin and from eternal separation from God, the power, that power was not found in how he preached, but in what he preached. 
He's preaching Christ and Him crucified. That's why He says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God for salvation. Not Paul. Paul's not the power of God for salvation. Paul's not the, it's not any ability that he has. It's just Christ, the Holy Spirit, working through him as he proclaims the gospel to do what Paul couldn't do. What any other person cannot do. It's, it's Christ. And as the gospel is proclaimed, it has power for salvation. So Paul says, Christ didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, not trying to coerce people, not trying to convince people, not trying to make Jesus look better than he is because we can't make Jesus look better than he is. If anything, we diminish what he looks like. And so Paul says, I just came to preach the gospel. I was sent to preach the gospel. And if I preach the gospel, it's the power to save people, to rescue people. Baptism is a display of that. Baptism is a display of what Jesus did. The gospel is what he did. He died for you. He rose for you. And the gospel is the power to save you and change you. Baptism is, once we believe that, following him, trusting him, and displaying that to those around us. I'm going to pray, and and I want to ask you, um, before we pray, um, number one, if you have trusted in Christ, if you've believed the gospel, everything that baptism is a picture of, that, that Jesus came to this earth because of sin, that we're all sinners, and we all fall short of the glory of God. There's no one sitting here. There's no one sitting outside of this room. There's no one on this planet who can say, I am without sin. We're all sinners, and we fall short of God's glory. And Jesus came in the punishment that we deserve, we deserve from a holy God. Jesus willingly took on himself on the cross. He was sacrificed, sacrificed for our sins on the cross. He was placed in a grave, and three days later, he rose again to conquer death. He says, if you believe, if you believe, if you trust in what I've done, the work that I've done to free you and forgive you of sin, you, you'll be forgiven and you'll live with me forever. Not because anything you could do, but because of what I've done. I took your sin on me. I lived a perfect life that you can't live. And I'm willing to credit my righteousness into your account if you'll just trust me. Have you ever trusted Christ? Have you ever believed in Christ? Have you ever repented of your sins and turned to Christ? If you haven't, do that today. Do it today. It's just as simple as just saying, Lord, I do believe. I do believe and I want to give you everything. I want to lay down my life for you. It's, it's that picture. Jesus saying, if you, want to, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, then deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. It's, it's an end to the way you've been living. It's an end to yourself and a following of Jesus, a willingness to die for him and to live for him. 
turning from our sins and trusting what he's done. If you've never done that, then do that. Do that today. If you would like to talk to me, if you'd like to talk to Michael after the service, please do that. We would love to just walk with you through that process. It's nothing that we can do for you, okay? Don't get me wrong on that. It's not anything that I or Michael can do for you. It's, it's you trusting in what he's already done. We'd love for you to do that today. But if, if you have trusted in him and you've never, ever obeyed him, followed Christ in, bapt, in baptism, I want to ask you, why? Why? An opportunity to display the one who gave everything for you. Why would we not do that? Why would we not obey him when he said be baptized? So I want to challenge you, if you've never been baptized, come and talk to me or on the back of the card that's in front of you, just write there your name and, and contact information and say, I've never been baptized. I, I love Jesus. I, I, I trust him and he's forgiven me and I just want to follow him in baptism. And we'll touch base with you. We'll set it up. We'll make sure it happens. Let me pray for us and, and, uh, and just ask the Lord to help in this. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your life that you live that is perfect. Perfect. You never sinned. You never sinned. And so you were a perfect sacrifice as God and man. And you willingly laid down your life to be punished by your Father for the sins of those who would trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for every single person here, Lord. There are things about you that we take way too lightly. There are things about you that we get used to. Lord, we don't want to get used to the gospel. We don't want to get used to this amazing truth that Jesus you did it all and that you've credited us with righteousness if we are in you then we are credited with righteous we're perfect and holy and blameless before God because of you Jesus and so I pray for every person here if there's anyone Lord you know hearts you know hearts if there's anyone who's not truly trusted in you and given their life to you Lord I pray that you do that Today, open their hearts, open their eyes that they can see how great a treasure you are, that you took everything on yourself and you offer life and forgiveness. And that today would be the day of salvation for them. And God, I pray for those who have trusted in you and yet never obeyed you in the area of baptism. I pray, Lord, that today they would make the decision that they would follow you and trust you and obey you and that they would have that opportunity to display you to other people. Thank you for this gift, Lord, of baptism. What a wonderful thing. And certainly the world may look at that and think that it's odd, but Lord, what a wonderful, beautiful thing that you have given us. so we praise you and thank you, Lord. We thank you that the gospel is the power to save. Not us, you, Lord. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.